0: A science story, huh? Is NYU a scientist? Uh, they felt it. I, right. I was so happy. And I just happy. thought, well. well. Figured it, out.
1: it was that tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side. <laughs>
0: Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. For August, we're taking our summer break, and so we're rerunning some favorites you may not have heard the first time around. This week's story is from Rachel Bitney Wecht. The story was recorded in August 2011 at Pacific Standard in Brooklyn. The theme of the night was family science.
1: So I met my husband in 2004. We were working at Improv Asylum in Boston, Massachusetts. I was working as a main stage performer, and he was hired as our music director. I didn't know he was a theoretical physicist at the time. That kind (laughs) of came up a little bit later when we were all sitting around talking about what we do for a living. Um, If you're an improviser, you have a day job. And so we are all sitting around talking about that, and Brian said that he worked at MIT. And I thought that was cool because I worked at Harvard at the time in the bookstore, so I figured we had, like... (laughs) You know similar jobs, like he worked in the cafeteria or something, I don't know and, uh, and then he said no, he was, uh, he was a postdoc researcher in theoretical physics uh, uh, particularly focusing on string theory and um, I said, cool what is that then? Uh, so even though we've been married for about four years, I'm still not quite sure what exactly a string theorist does but according to Wikipedia laughter uh, Theoretical physics is a branch of physics which employs mathematical models and abstractions of physics to rationalize, explain, and predict natural phenomenon. And string theory is active research framework in particle physics that attempts to reconcile quantum mechanics and general relativity into a theory of everything. Brian got to spend his days uh, trying to figure out the universe, and I spent my days filing textbooks and then doing improv in the basement of a CVS pharmacy. (laughs) So I knew I had to have this man. (laughs) So um, you may not be able to tell by looking at me, but I am not terribly um, awesome with the men. And uh, I wasn't very good at dating. I didn't date much, I didn't really have a boyfriend. Um, in any any respect of the word, for a very long time. Um, in high school, I was madly in love with one of my classmates, and I asked him to the Sadie Hawkins Day dance, and we went and we were dancing, and he was looking at me, and he's like, you know, Rachel, I wish I could find a girl like you, you know, somebody I could talk to like you, uh, someone who just, you know, who like really really got me, you know, like you do, but someone I was attracted to. Yay me! So anyway, with all that experience under my belt, I knew I was going to have to find a different way to woo Brian. If I knew anything about string theory, I thought maybe I could use that, but I didn't know anything about string theory. (laughs) But I did know a lot about improv comedy and comedy in general. And comedy is all about timing. And that made me think of fifth grade geology for some reason. And in geology, geology is all about timing. Time and pressure. In geology, I knew that with enough time and pressure, you could take a dinosaur and make gasoline. So, I figured that with, an, I figured with enough time and pressure, I could turn a physicist into a boyfriend. So, began my seduction of Brian. First, I went to Google, and I Googled him, and then I watched a bunch of his uh, lecture videos, which are posted there. They're still posted. And I, he is a really, really good lecturer, and he's so adorable when he wears his glasses. Uh, then I went to the library and checked out a bunch of books on theoretical physics, and then I left them kind of scattered around the theater during rehearsals, just, <laughs> just in case he, he happened to trip over one, and then he could be like, oh, hey, who's reading this uh, collection of letters by Richard Feynman? <laughs> and then I could go, oh, that? Oh. That's mine. <laughs> you know, Dr. Feynman really didn't, uh, didn't put much stock in string theory, but God, he could write a letter, huh? <laughs> what a nut. Um, so did all of this uh, subtle, these all these subtle flirtations work, you ask me? No, they did not. A physicist can look at a tiny particle and see the universe, but they tend to have a hard time seeing what's right in front of them. So I knew I had to to change my tactics, and I knew I had to get direct soon. Despite all of my subtle machinations, actually, Brian and I became really good friends. We would hang out a lot, and we'd go to brunch, and we'd go watch movies, and we found out that we had a lot in common, and I realized I just started to like this man more and more. And I was like, I gotta gotta do something. I gotta do something fast. So one night after rehearsal, I asked him if he wants to go out for a drink. And uh, he says, yeah, sure, because it's something we did a lot. So we go to the Green Dragon Tavern, which is this tavern in Boston where the colonialists first heard the British talking about attacking uh, Lexington and Concord, and I thought, that's a perfect place to plan my attack of Brian. <laughs> so we get a couple beers and we're sitting there, and Brian was in a really good mood because he just published a paper. He was very excited about it. I'm assuming it's about string theory. I wasn't, wasn't really paying all that much attention. Uh while he was talking I was trying to to work up uh, the best way for me to confess all my feelings for him without frightening him away so finally I just said I just I was like fuck it just stop being a chicken shit and just say it so I looked at him and I said you know I really like you and I think you you really like me too I mean it seems like you really like me too and I would really like to date you and he said oh 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 not exactly the reaction I was, I was hoping for. <laughs> and then he said, uh, Rachel, I, I really like you too. But I'm, I'm dating this girl. And uh, I kind of want to see where it goes with her. And um, I don't date w- two women at the same time. But I really like you. And um, thank you. And I hope we can stay friends. Very precise. And it broke my heart. So I don't really remember much of what happened for the rest of the evening, because mostly I just wanted to get out of there and end the evening as fast as possible. Brian did show me his paper. It was very beautiful and full of math that I did not, <laughs> <sighs> did not understand. Uh, I didn't understand it, and I thought that was rather fitting, because I found myself in a situation that I also did not understand. I don't know how many people here know uh, much about improv comedy, but in improv comedy, nothing is scripted. Everything is made up by the actors on stage. And a successful improv scene depends on the actors to be able to read the situation quickly, to assess it quickly, and respond accurately. And I thought I had read this situation between Brian and I so well that I knew what was going to happen. I thought I had this scene down, and I didn't, and I was heartbroken. So I left the bar and I cried all the way home. And then I cried for days. And I tried really, really hard not to let Brian see this because it wasn't his fault and I didn't hate him and I wanted to hate him, but I couldn't because he was so honest with me and he was so kind and he wanted to be my friend that I actually liked him for that. And I actually loved him a little more for that. That bastard. (laughs) So, anyway... December rolls around, and I'm on the mend. And I get a phone call from Brian late one night, uh, like 11 p.m. And uh, he's up at his mom's house. And his mom and him, they love each other very much, but they butt heads on a lot of issues and stuff. And he was really feeling kind of angry and stuff and wanted to blow off some steam. So he called me to talk and we had this really long, like three hour long talk and we talked about all sorts of stuff and it was great. And then the next night, he called me again and we had another really long, really deep, intense talk. And this is one of those talks where like I'm just, I'm free as a bird. I'm telling him whatever because I already confessed how I felt about him and it didn't do anything. So what did I have to lose, right? So I'm, you know, we're talking about everything and it's this really great, deep conversation. And then he calls me the next night and we have the same kind of conversation conversation and i'm loving it and i'm loving this but i'm also a little confused because i'm like why is he calling me with these conversations should he has a girlfriend shouldn't he be telling this stuff to her and then i start to get nervous and i start to think oh gosh am i am i going to go back to that situation where i'm just just you know on the dance floor looking up at him and he looks down at me and says if only i was attracted to you yay is that what i'm doing to myself and the thing is, is I knew I should stop these conversations and I should stop talking to him like this. But I didn't want to because I liked it. And I liked talking to Brian like this. And I liked these conversations we were having. So now it's a week before Christmas and we're finishing up our like, final rehearsal before holiday break. And Brian says to me, hey, you want to get a drink after rehearsal? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? Because we do it all the time. So we go to the bar Next to the bar of the great emotional disaster of August 2005. And we sit down at the bar and order a couple drinks, and Brian tells me he broke up with his girlfriend. And my heart goes, Err. <laughs> and I try, I try really, really hard to feel sorry. And I look at him and I say, "I'm sorry." <laughs> but I don't mean it. And he goes on to tell me that she was a really nice girl, but they that he just realized that she wasn't quite the girl for him. And then he looks me in the eyes and he says, "I'm interested in pursuing a relationship with you." <laughs> passion <laughs> <laughs> the fireworks the ghost bumps. I can still feel it. Woo So I go Oh 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 Okay. So now we're dating. And things progress actually pretty quickly after that we go from dating to engaged to marriage in about two years. And I remember once, after we were married, Brian says to me, you know, if you didn't tell me how you felt that night in August, I never would have asked you out in December. It was you telling me how you felt that kind of put that idea in my head. And I put it there, and it, and it worked on him for months <laughs> until he realized... That I was the right girl for him. You know, someday a string theorist may discover the theory of everything in the universe. But nothing beats an improviser and a little geological time and pressure. Thank you.
0: That was Rachel Bitney Wecht. Rachel is an actor and improviser currently living in London. In her spare time, she enjoys watching videos of tiny animals, reading romance novels, and playing her ukulele. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel Shapiro. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Pacific Standard for hosting the show and to Awkwardness for being useful. Thanks for listening.